You're listening to the Discriminology Podcast, the podcast that arms you with the knowledge and the tools to dismantle discrimination. With me, one of your hosts, Malik Selah. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Discriminology. I'm one of your hosts, Malik Sila, and I'm joined today by previous guest, Jane Wong. Jane has rejoined us for part three of Is There Really a Model Minority, which is a miniseries we produced in celebration of Asian Heritage Month. If you haven't already listened to the previous parts, we heavily suggest you check those out first. Today, she will be sharing some tactics and methods to identify and process racialized trauma, Obviously, in those previous episodes, we discussed the encumbrances on the AAPI community specifically, but these tips can be utilized by anyone. Just a quick reminder regarding her credentials. She holds a Master's of Arts degree in Social and Personality Psychology from York University in Toronto and was previously a research scientist in psychoeducational testing prior to relocating in pursuit of her doctoral degree in school psychology. Needless to say, Jane is more than qualified to speak on our mental health. So thank you for joining us again, Jane. Thank you, Malik. Um, So I'm by no means an expert in the area of trauma or specifically on racial trauma, which can result from um, major experiences of racism, such as workplace discrimination or hate crimes that we're all witnessing um, in the news. Um, It can also be the result of an accumulation of many small occurrences, um, such as everyday discrimination and microaggressions. Um, But, you know, with the rise of highly publicized overt acts of racism and hate crimes all across the U.S. um, and even in Canada that have been reported, it appears that racial trauma um, does not even have to be the result of firsthand experience of racism or, or discrimination. It can be triggered by just seeing such the rampant um, heinous crimes unfolding on the news or social media. So, yeah, some of the things that I've learned um, from the literature on the topic um, is that unfortunately we don't really have um, empirically validated treatments specifically to address racial trauma per se. Um, But there are several approaches that are um, recommended by experienced clinicians um, who work in in the field who deal with these kind of issues. Um, First and foremost, um, practice self-care. By self-care, like I don't want to just, you know, like it's just kind of. That's not just that's not just going to the spa and putting cucumbers on your eyes, right? There's actually exactly okay, <laughs> right? Um, like you know, yeah, I really don't mean to like okay, pamper yourself with uh, <laughs> with a massage, right? Um, because not everybody can afford that, mm-hmm. um, right? So you know, it can be something that everyone can afford. Um, so it may not even cost a dime. Um, and and first and foremost, I think it's important to limit ourselves um uh, to the some of the images the doomsday um, news cycles exactly um you know they're they can be emotionally draining and you know, anxiety provoking right um so it's not healthy for us to consume um these kind of really really um i guess um, violent type of acts um so I personally am following a few Instagram accounts, uh, for example, because I just couldn't handle these videos anymore. So I think that's important. Um, and uh, self-care can also take the form of you know, exercise, which we know is good for everyone. Uh, mindfulness and meditation. 
Um, there are many guided videos um, on uh, meditation. Uh, for example, there's a, a type of meditation called loving kindness uh, meditation. So you basically repeat statements such as, may I be happy, may I be safe, may I be healthy, may I be loved. Um, so you can repeat those, you know, try to kind of conjure up kind of this peaceful feeling. Like and affirmations, then, right? Exactly. Um, there's also okay. kind of like, you know, like kind of by saying that out loud, um, like, you know, like you said, there's like a, the, the positive affirmation side and also just kind of a calming effect. And then you want to repeat those statements and dedicate it to someone or even multiple, multiple people that you love. Um, so you project the same kind of loving kindness to all humans in the world um, if you if you if you're able to do that so it kind of like brings up your kind of energy level to a more positive space exactly um and so self-care can also mean just being with nature journaling for you know um being you know a cathartic uh process or just like to process your own emotions um it can be the practice of diet Dramatic breathing, um, which is a much deeper way of breathing than um, just using your lungs, because um, it kind of tricks your brain into thinking that you're everything is okay. Um, when you think about being anxious or, or um, um, you know, being frightened, your body's kind of preparing or gearing uh, uh, um, everything to, to get into this fight or flee response where you know our ancestors used to fight wild animals. And so when you take very rapid and shallow um, breath, it kind of... Um, it gets you ready to fight or flight. Exactly. Um, but if you're taking long, deep breaths, it kind of signals your brain, oh, I'm not trying to fight anything. I'm just like, you know, I'm calm. I'm, ta- I, I'm able to take the time. So um, this practice of like engaging your belly, you know, kind of like filling up your belly with air and then kind of like expelling those, 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 um, when you, when you exhale and you kind of um, empty out the, the air in your belly, that really helps to kind of trick your brain into thinking that, oh, okay, I'm calm, I'm, I'm good. Um, so that that would be important. Jane, would you say that um, in terms of processing trauma relative to being part of a racial group involves affinity groups and discussing these traumas with, with like individuals that have similar experiences? Yeah, I think there's definitely that kind of... Um, getting the, 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 there's um, positive um, in terms of getting the empathetic support uh, having someone to, uh, who understands what you're going through so uh, whether it's from a friend or a family member and you're so within your support network um, who, but it's important that they're not going to further stress you out, right? Um, right? They have to be well-vetted individuals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? The, you don't want to talk to someone who's like insensitive about what you're going through. You want that validating kind of experience. And it could be maybe seeking a mental health professional. Um, but again, that person has to really, you know, understand um, the complexity of some of the issues. They don't have to fully understand, but to be able to hold space for someone and just listen and say, mm, it must be hard for you. That's really important. Um, it's almost kind of empowering to, to be able to get that kind of validation, um, especially if you, you know, if you actually get that kind of validation from a dominant, someone from the dominant culture, having, you know, an ally that, that can, can speak up about, for you, on your behalf, right? Showing the support and solidarity, and then you know hold, holding space for you, um, 
you know, telling, oh, wow, I didn't realize how hard it has been for you. Um, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through this. That it, in and of itself is, is very helpful. And then we can also, um, there's also literature talking about the importance of reaffirming um, uh, one's own ethnic and racial identity. Um, so, you know, including just like finding a positive in the values that, that um, Asian members like identify, um, you know, as part of their cultural heritage, you know, um, have, feeling good about being a member of that group um, can be very empowering. So, so a lot of times um, in terms of treatment involving um, racial discrimination or racial trauma, that piece is important in terms of reaffirmation reaffirmation of um, their cultural. I think that was also prevalent historically as well too. Um, if you go back to the 1960s civil rights movements, obviously it didn't it didn't receive as much media attention, but there were quote unquote yellow power movements that were taking place, um, inspired more so by um, it was more so inspired by Malcolm X, but. There were there were movements like that, and and as you're saying, it's just building a sense of racial pride. Right, right. Because I think um, a lot of uh, researchers have also mentioned that you know the part of self concept um, uh, development about you know who we are as a person, culture is a huge part. You know, language another um, uh, huge aspect, and how do we um, establish ourselves within the dominant uh, white culture, um, you know, understanding that despite some of the microaggressions or discrimination that one may face, there is worth, you know, to ourselves and, and, and in terms of our, you know, our, our culture. Yeah. Um, right. And then that, you know, separating oneself from the whole negative stereotypes that are associated with, with one's, one's culture. Um, that's also very important. Well, these sound like definitely useful tips in terms of an individual that may be experiencing racial trauma, stress, or anxiety. What if you're an individual that is experiencing trauma or you're experiencing these these negative symptoms and you're not even sure that it's derived from racial trauma? Because it's not a given that an individual knows that, let's say, let's say anxiety, for example, they may not be aware that their anxiety is caused by racial trauma whether it be a microaggression or something, but they just feel that something was, is wrong and they've been slighted in some way, but they're not able to articulate or fully come circle that it's a racial trauma that's triggering this. That's a great question um, because how can you really address something if you don't even know that it's there or the cause of it, right? And the problem is with um, racial trauma, it's tied to so many different things. Like we understand that there is systemic racism that's going on. So a minority individual, you know, may face many different things and not just in relation to the very obvious discrimination or microaggression. It could be just having less opportunity. Um, you know, I think, um, uh, we spoke about um, not not having enough support within the schools or even mental health professional to you know really help them. So I think the fact that if the, if there's the anxiety that that one is is um, going through, you know, the, I guess depending on how much um, impairment that the person's suffering. Um, 
it really kind of kind of hinges upon whether the person is aware of the impairment or not, right? And if they do, um, obviously, I, you know, and if it's if really impairing in, um, a lot in terms of the occupation or, or academic uh, pursuit, um, or even in terms of like in, within their social environment, um, the most important thing is seek help early. Sometimes you're not even sure, maybe speaking to a professional, a mental health professional may help kind of delineate, oh, it could be from stemming from that, or it could be even like further back in history where, you know, just some type of childhood tra trauma that they were not kind of making the connection. I think that's really helpful. But it, no matter what cause the anxiety is brought on by, like a lot of times the treatment's pretty fairly similar. Um, like I talked about the, the belly breathing that's um, recommended, whether it is for children or adults. Um, and, and the funny thing is with children, a lot of times they um, the anxiety can be manifested in, um, in a form of anger. And so children may not have the ability to kind of process the tools to, to process and understand yeah. what's going on. They're just feeling they're just feeling this really strong emotion. And a lot of times when they are exhibiting some kind of like disruptive behaviors, they are trying to communicate something. They just don't know how, right? They don't know how to use that language too. And even some adults, like there are adults who I was gonna I was gonna say, I don't know I, I know <laughs> I don't know if us adults are much better. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it can, and, and especially at this time, it's very tricky, right? We're all traumatized. You know, we're, we're in the midst of mm -hmm. a pandemic, right? And, you know, like through these cases, um, you know, of police brutality and, you know, these hate crimes, you know, even adults are kind of at our kind of wit's end like, in terms of how to, how to handle that. Um, and so, um, I think it's important to kind of for both the adult and children to kind of try to maintain that kind of normalcy as much as possible. So like following your 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 regular routine um, daily. So whether it is going to school, um, I don't know, going to going to work online, you know, via Zoom or if you have to go in in person, um, you know, as much as possible, kind of do what you are, you know, you normally do instead of kind of like changing it too much, like making sure you have enough sleep, um, you're, you're eating, um, you know, well, um, that all, always helps regardless of whether or not you have anxiety. But when you, when it comes to, you know, suffering from some type of, you know, whether it's depression or anxiety symptoms, it's really important to make sure that we get enough sleep and, and eat well, um, uh, Anti, kind of ha having a lot of um, uh, antioxidant um, in within um, your diet that's important um, and speak about like you really really talk about it rather than kind of keeping it you know right. um, uh, suppressed it's, it's hard right suppressed um, and especially for for children I think um, it is important for them to be able to also express um, what they're feeling and to be able to ask questions. So holding space for, for the children and especially when talking to younger children, adjusting the language in, into a very you know, simple, simple and kind of brief um, uh, language, you know, not use very difficult words and just making it easy to understand and emphasizing that, um, you know, that you're, you're, you know, you're safe. Yeah, it, it, it is good to be careful, um, you know, when, when, when we go up, but like a lot of times kids kind of 
feed on the the energy that they they they, they see or the, the and those small messages that we receive as children. Right, right. So yeah, so so kids really, you know, see what we do and what we say, and then they 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 absorb a lot of that kind of you know um, messages, whether it's like verbal or nonverbal, right? And so it is important to as much as possible, like a you know you we also want to limit. Um, what we expose the, the children to in terms of like, you know, media, on um, what's on the news, but then being able to kind of be there and explain to them, you know, you know, acknowledge that, yeah, it can be scary. And, and, and you know, um, we're, we're in it together, but, you know, I'll try, you know, as parents, you know, I'll try my best to protect you and school is a safe place. And, you know, that kind of reassuring them that they are safe, um, not to kind of like overemphasize the, the you know, the, the, uh, the dangers, um, present dangers, right, yeah. right, um, and um, I think that's both important for for both children and adults being able to really talk about it, um, you know, have an co- honest conversation. Jane, one of the one of the last things I wanted to ask you in terms of solutions um, from a macro perspective on previous podcasts, uh, I've spoken about the importance of diversity and inclusion in education in, in specific fields. So I drew the example of how I had an MBA and throughout that education, I never was explicitly taught how to manage diverse employees, but on paper, um, I'm qualified to manage a team. Um, and that goes across professions and degrees. And I think psychology is no different, right? In terms of if you're being licensed to to be a therapist and and help people process trauma, but you have no experience or education in terms of how to process racial trauma or microaggressions, or you have no real real resources to add or provide that individual that could be problematic. So I guess my question is, A, do you think the the psychological field will begin to advocate for more diverse training? And B, are there any resources available right now, let's say maybe particular therapists that specialize in helping people process racial trauma that's an excellent question and um i I do recall you speaking about you know having the mpa um uh, training but you know not actually taking any class on that so um and within the psychology field that's definitely that problem when we talk about the 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 actual beginning of the profession or um, the area of study it started with white Americans really right all the all the uh, research were done on <laughs> that population and so all the theories were kind of driven you know like I think the it started to become a really prominent area um, of study around like the seventies or sixties seventies yeah um, that's when you know, psychology is really starting to become, um, you know, the field of, of research. But then, you know, over the years, um, as we all become more aware of um, a lot of the systemic um, racism that's been going on and um, different trajectories in terms of development um, for different um, individuals from, you know, both dominant culture versus um, minority culture, um, we're beginning to really notice that, hey, there, there, there is a lot to it than just the, you know, what we think is the optimal um, 
outcome or the optimal way of developing because there's just so much diversity in, in terms of human experiences. Um, so I am happy to, to, to report that there are many more courses that are available for, um, you know, within the school psychology or also clinical psychology field. Um, the graduate uh, programs are increasingly um, uh, being aware of, of, of the importance of adding those type of diversity, cultural diversity courses. Um, and in addition, um, some of the, um, you know, associate professional associations, you know, for example, the National Association of School Psychologists, they have um, a lot of mission statements or, um, you know, best practice guidelines in terms of how to practice psychology um, with a lot of, with cultural responsiveness. So there are definitely that kind of movement um, uh, in recent years. At the same time, the field is, is mostly, um, populated with white women. I think with the more of the, the uh, policy making type of, of, you know, people who are on boards, uh, you know, those, those uh, psychological association boards or um, uh, people who are involved in kind of administrative roles, they tend to be white males. And so, you know, so they're... The needs and the resources provided will be skewed. Right, in, right. In that direction. Right. Um, so I'm happy to, to, to share that um, the uh, elected, the, the next um, president for the um, uh, National Association of School Psychologists is a black female. So, um, you know, so, so I think that it's there, the momentum is there and, and we still, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and my own in research interest is in terms of their assessment of English language learners. You know, how can we, how can we kind of advance? You know, the, the things that we use um, in terms of like the norms that you, we use to kind of judge. Oh, it's this child. Um, does this child have a disability or la language disability? Um, you know, but then the tests we use tend to be developed for uh, monolingual. English-speaking, you know, white American. So that's not going to be helpful, right? Because if that's the, the yardstick that you judge everybody against, right? If you judge a, a fish on how well it can climb, it's not going to do well. Exactly. That's a yeah. That's a great example. Um, so yeah. So so there's definitely still a lot of work to be done, but um, people are increasingly, you know, paying more attention. There's um, a lot. Of, there there are many hashtags that if you if you're interested, you know, there's like um, the SP for um, SJ um, uh, hashtag, which, um, you know, related to school psychologists for social justice, um, their uh, work of individuals such as Dr. Charles Barrett. He doesn't like people calling him Dr. Barrett, so he likes to be referred as Charles. <laughs> um, he, you know, he's trying to um, basically help to solve the problem of increasing diversity within the field by having um, more individuals kind of present um, the profession of school psychology um, in high school or undergraduate uh, programs so that more um, individuals from, from diverse backgrounds can get to know, oh, this is an option, right. <laughs> you know, occupation you know, you know, um, option. You bring up a great point. I think making options and career paths visible to minority, can and I think that transcends multiple minority groups. I know in our previous recordings, we discussed how Asian Americans are kind of pigeon-held and, and limited to particular career paths for a plethora of reasons. But mm -hmm. making these options available to, visibly available to everyone is, is 
a hundred percent gonna influence diversity when those kids eventually grow up and begin to choose educational paths and career paths yeah i think so like so the the whole you know exposure is important and then the representation is another area right so like um kind of combating the the really one-dimensional stereotypes of you know how asian men and, and asian women are but actually having different types of kind of heroes <laughs> represented you know as, as asian that really helps i think so i'm really looking forward to shang chi which is the next marvel um superhero who is asian um and i'm sure like you know just right. based on the success of black panther we realize that wow like this is you know this is amazing how come we have to wait so long for um you know a, a black superhero and i love you know how i think your previous uh, episodes have addressed how there's nothing kind of there's no 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 obvious stating or justification of why this character is black so i like that you know like well, it's just a natural thing we have you know we have a, a black character so i hope that you know more and more type of like you know um uh, increasing diverse or diversity in terms of just the you know, social media and um in different professions i i you know i'm i'm hopeful i think it warrants even connecting with more uh, diverse members of the psychological field, but I think it it warrants a discussion and just talking about diversity in the mental health profession and and how we can um, encourage that. What does it look like? Um, I, you referenced the paper you did before with psychological assessments. I think that's another conversation that we can we can delve into for our listeners as well. So I'd love to set that up at some point. Well, I, I'd love to. I can talk about this all day. <laughs> Relative to this topic, in terms of racial coping mechanisms. Are there any other tips or, or points of discussion you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think I've covered like most of the, the points I wanted to cover, but so just mainly, you know, self-care is really important. Again, <laughs> not about the cucumbers. <laughs> exactly. Right. Really taking care of ourselves and finding like, um, you know, people who kind of uplift rather than, you know, stress you out further. Um, and just kind of being aware of, at the same time, not to kind of overwhelm ourselves with, you know, like negative images. Um, I think those are the, the key points. Yeah, I think I think that, I think that's great advice. Jane, you are always welcome on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us again to follow up our, our previous recordings on uh, the model minority myth. And uh, we definitely look forward to working with you in the future and who, who whomever else would like to uh represent the psych field and in, in the and the journey for diversity and, and and equity so thank you oh thank you so much it's my pleasure to be here thank you for listening to the discriminology podcast be sure to subscribe and to follow us on instagram at discriminology underscore podcast or on facebook at discriminology three until next time peace